Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined by from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered, Joe Chung. And Joe, uh, we'll talk, I'll, I'll throw out uh, our URL and all that in a minute, but I have to start because you won Travel Agent of the Year and I haven't talked to you since then face-to-face and I just wanted to congratulate you for Travelmation, Travel Agent of the Year, for all your work that you've done, booking Disney vacations and dream trips for everybody. Thank you, thank you. I felt, you know, I generally don't, get too worked about these things but working out the mtm diamond royal dining today <laughs> it felt uh very worthy of uh travel agent of the year it was a little bit annoying but we got it all we got it all set and you know that's what i'm here for so you didn't have to worry about it sean um and which you didn't you just told me what to do or i asked you what you wanted to do you told me and i took care of that and that's uh what i like to do pe- for people so yeah thank you for that and uh starting off with that i really appreciated that but uh happy to move on now yeah, we, yeah. Well, I did want to also say I have used you as a travel agent. As you said, we are doing a diamond cruise this coming weekend for about 23, I think, of us in the diamond group heading down to the Bahamas and to Royal Caribbean's private island. So it's going to be fun. And Joe booked all of that for us and he got us all on the same dining time so that we can all sit together and have fun and eat. And I know everybody in the group has been really happy with the service that you provided. So not a commercial for you, but I think on the week we're talking about you winning Travel Agent of the Year, we can give you a little plug on that. And uh, we'll talk a little Disney at the end of the show, too, because I do want to give you props on some articles and stuff that you that you wrote on that. But we won't we won't start with that. Now, before we get into the show, I do want to remind everybody out there, if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a five star review. It helps us out a lot. We've had several great reviews lately, and we really appreciate everybody out there who does that. And uh, if you're looking to support the show, you can find links to do that uh, and all of the links to subscribe to the show, everything at mtmpodcast.com. So uh, let's get into the show a little bit. Starting off, uh, how, have, how have you been? It's been a couple weeks since we talked. You book anything lately? You got any trips coming up? Did you make any redemptions that I just think are a little bit nuts? All right, you're just setting me up here. You're <laughs> picking a fight, Sean, um, and I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so right before Mark left, and I'm going to name check him twice today, but uh, you know, I I gave him props because he did that crazy thing where he like blew all his points at some point, and he was like trying to earn them again, and I was like, I just have too many points sitting around. I need to start burning them so that I start earning them again. And so I was telling Sean the other day, and I will give the context later, but I'll, I'll just, you know, you, I'll start and then you, you all think what you think, and then I'll give you the context and then you probably still will think what you think. But I was like, Hey, um, I ended up booking, I used, so it's about what a little shy of 400,000 sky miles, 78,000 sky miles each for Boston to LAX live flat transcontinental. And I was happy with that. And Sean, you were like, I don't know, this was on Slack, but you were basically like, you know, you raise your eyebrow and you're like, oh, really? You know, uh, and uh, I felt judged. Um, but this is all part of, you know, let me give some context now too. We are thinking and planning and we have at this point, three of the four legs booked uh, doing a trip to Australia and New Zealand for the Women's World Cup. I know I've mentioned that before, but now I have a flight home from New Zealand. I have a flight to and from California because that's we're gonna we have to stop there for various reasons on both ways. And then you know I'm only missing the flight to Australia or the South Pacific, South Pacific or Oceania, whatever you want to call it. Right now, Oceania is what the FIFA calls it. And so I was looking for a transcontinental flight. 
I was looking at economy and then I saw that Delta was 78,000 and I was like, all right, let me do this because I never use these Delta miles. Now, before I start giving all my caveats, Sean, I, let's hear your initial reactions because, you know, you, you were like, interesting. Let's, let's talk about this on the podcast. So I, I really want to hear what did I do wrong here, Sean? Let's start there. And I know you're well, not going to say that. But... First, when I saw the message, I thought there was another airport code missing because I thought these were redemptions all the way to Australia or something like that. I'm like, surely he's not just spending 78,000 sky miles each times five to fly to LAX. And I was wrong on that. I mean, that was my initial reaction. It's just a lot of points. It's not something I would do. I would fly an economy and save those for something else. Uh, although I know that you have a lot of good points as to why you did it. I guess, you know, I err on the side of that. Now, I do have an issue, right, where I kind of hoard points in certain circumstances, and i trying to get away from that. But I have famously had, like, you know, 700,000 AA miles forever, and I've been redeeming them when I have it possible, but not fast enough. And one could argue, you know, should I just blow them on high redemptions to get something like that that's cool? So I see your logic here. It's just, it hurt a lot to think of redeeming 78,000 sky miles times five for like a five-hour flight. And then there's always the chance that the Delta Vacations deal comes back, Joe, and then you're going to be really sad if they give two cents redemptions again. But we both know that's never going to happen. Well, we'll get back to the Delta Vacations deal later. Now, let me give some context. I, I normally wouldn't spend that. And there was a couple, like a, a bunch of things factored into this. The first was the other miles and points options. Right now, there are no saver economy seats for this transcon. And they might come up later. But as of right now, there are none. So I was looking at right now, JetBlue is pricing out at like $400, uh, three or $400. American Airlines is... Uh, 50,000 points per economy seat. United was 50,000 points per economy seat. So that that was the first thing. Like there were not any great economy options. Now, the other thing was, I guess, you know, when you look at, and I, I've been using point.me again, uh, I know they sponsor Miles to Memories um, or you have an affiliate link with them. So putting that disclosure out there, I'm just using my own point.me account and looking at point.me, it's like when you see the same standard redemption rates over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden I saw 78,000 Delta sky miles. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to grab this right now because I don't think anything else better is going to come up at least today. And I, there's so many times, I don't know. Have you ever done this, Sean? Like you see an okay redemption that you can live with, but you don't book it. And then a month later it's gone. I'll give an example. Another example is there was Qantas economy space to Australia that I did not book, you know, and right now I don't have a flight to Australia because I didn't book it. And now all that economy space is gone. It's completely zeroed out. It, it was available for like multiple days on multiple weeks and it's totally zeroed out. So you ever run into this situation where you see something that's like, it looks like it's okay, but you're holding out for something better and then it's gone. Yeah. That used to happen a lot. And cause I, I feel like in the miles and points space, we would get into the mindset of, you know, not booking unless you you're fairly certain that you're going to do it because in most cases, there were award redeposit fees and things got messy. But nowadays, I've done that too. I've done exactly the same thing. And it's stupid because I've done it when I could have booked something that was fully refundable. And I didn't do it because I'm waiting for something else. So I feel like nowadays, it's easier to cancel awards. So there's really less of a reason even to do that. If you see something, and especially if you can cancel it without a fee, why not put it on hold? So it's something that I've uh, thought about a lot. And I certainly have done that. And it's frustrating and you get so mad at yourself, right? It's like, why didn't I just get that locked in? Why didn't I give myself that option? And a lot of people in this space do a great job of that, having backup flights, you know, moving reservations around. I'm not so great with that. I, I kind of like to be locked into what I'm doing and, and just do it. And I don't think that serves me very well. I think the other way to do it is probably better. Yeah. So you touched on one of the main reasons why I did this. I didn't want to like let perfect be the enemy of the okay, I guess, in this case. And like I said, standards were booking at 50,000 for American Airlines or United. The other thing was, this is fully refundable. You know, now, like one nice thing that came out of the pandemic, who knows when they're going to pull the rug out from under us. But one nice thing that came out of the pandemic is these award flights 
you can get the miles back without a redeposit fee, et cetera, et cetera, at least up to 60 days for most airlines. So that's good. And then the last reason was like, I would never have transferred American Express membership rewards to Delta for this. But if you recall about a year and a half ago, I thought my American Express accounts were going to get shut down and I was correct. And so at that time I panic transferred, you know, hundreds of thousands to Delta a couple hundred thousand to Asia Miles, a couple hundred thousand to Aeroplan, and I'm just stuck with all these miles orphaned in all these programs. And so I figured, you know, they're in Delta, no matter what, I can get them back. And so that's why I ended up doing it. Now, ideally, I would like to use some of those Asia Miles or use the Aeroplan ones. And so we'll see. But I figured this is a good, this is at least a good backup. Yeah, it's more expensive than I want to pay. But given the prices that are going right now, I can live with it for now. So that's kind of where I came on it. Now I'm going to have, and here's my second name check from of Mark for the day and last for the year, probably. But uh, I want to go on a little Mark rant. Okay. Because Ian Snyder. Yeah. I'm talking to you, Ian. All right. I know you're <laughs> listening to this probably on Slack. He's like, he's like 78,000 miles. You could, you could fly five flights to, Hawaii from the West Coast when Delta has one of their saver deals. Oh, well, bully for you, Ian. I don't live on the West Coast. And let's get away from the habit that we have in this miles and points space of making people feel bad about their redemptions. You know, people earn their miles. They're in different points in their lives. They may just not want to deal with the stress of finding that perfect redemption. Ian, okay, I know you're in Malmo or wherever enjoying yourself right now, but not all of us have that luxury to uh, go to, uh, you should check it out. I don't know. Uh, hopefully he tweeted about this, but he's at some disgusting food museum or something. He went there. It sounded really cool. But quick rant, don't make people feel bad about how they use their miles and points. Even if you think it's a terrible use, just keep it in your pocket. Tell your wife or partner about it behind their backs or whatever, and just let people you know, because I, I feel like the worst thing, and I know I do this sometimes, I probably do this with Disney stuff like, oh, you really gonna, you really gonna stay at that hotel, huh? Or, or, you know, say something like that. But we travel to have fun and to enjoy ourselves. And like when, when we and again, I joking aside, I'm joking about you, Ian. So chill, you don't have to throw your phone out the window or anything. But and I and I, I'm guilty of this too. But when we make people feel bad about what they've redeemed, or whatever, and sometimes we do it under the guise of, oh, we just want to help you get your best redemption, or whatever. But like, it just casts a negative light on something that someone's excited about or something that someone's doing. And, you know, we don't need that in this space. So rant over. Um, and again, that's something that, you know, honestly, I would often say to Mark, like, what are you doing, man? Like you, you, you hate this or hate that redemption or no, you're redeeming for this or that. And I think that's crazy, but you know what? To each their own. So that's uh, the end of my rant. I do hope though, that I can find something better for that Boston to LA flight. Um, but if I don't, you know, like right now, I guess the other thing is, and I don't know if it was like this for you, Sean, when you were planning your trip around the world, but it's like, or, you know, when you're traveling around the world or whatever, but it's like, you have the major pieces that you need to get in place. And for me right now, that is how am I going to actually get to Australia in the most economical way? And so if I can get this piece out of the way and then come back to it later, after I figured out Australia itself, then, you know, I'll just live with that for now. Yeah. We've talked in this hobby. How about there are a lot of people like that, right? And a lot of naysayers, but I think you make a good point that it can be subtle, right? And people can do it without even realizing they're doing it. I probably did it to you too, even though you don't want to call me out or maybe you did a little bit earlier on, because uh, I did raise my eyebrow a little bit to your to your 78,000. So I'm guilty of it too. We all are. And you know, the intention isn't always to be negative or to kind of downplay somebody, but it can be a little hurtful, right? It make people a little self-conscious and especially people who are newer cuz it can it can leave a bad taste in their mouth, you know, kind of feeling that they aren't doing it right. And I think you're absolutely right. The redemptions that work for you are the right redemptions. And the one thing I can say is I've spent way too much time kind of obsessing over redemptions on what to redeem and trying to save here and all that. Once I redeem something, even the times where I've way overpaid compared to what I think I want to pay or whatever, I don't ever go back and think about it. It doesn't bother me. I get the experience, I make the memories, and I move on with my life. And that's the most important thing. So I'm absolutely uh, in agreement with you here. 
And even though I too am guilty of that, and uh, if this, you know, is something that's good, and also, you know, getting to lie flat with the entire family, that's a, a memory that your kids will have, and that's a memory your family will have, and it's something special. So who are we to say anything about that? And I think we're all on the other side of that from time to time where people are questioning us. And if it works for you, it's great. And that's the positive side of Miles and Points. That's why we do this, right? To make the memories, to get the experiences. And we can earn more miles, right? We're pretty good at it. A lot of people who are listening to this show are pretty good at that. And so I'm 100% in agreement with you. And this is a good reminder to uh, stay positive and to be supportive of our friends because we're all crazy in this hobby, I think, about travel. And I don't have a whole lot of people in my normal life that I can relate to in this way, talking about these types of redemptions, these types of seats and products and places. And I uh, relish those those relationships. And I love that we can all support each other and keep everything positive when it comes to that. And it does hurt if somebody sours your, you know, your excitement for, for a redemption or for a trip or for something like that. That's right, Ian. Don't forget. Anyway, this is all, it's all in good fun, but I I think it is a a good reminder. I mean, honestly, this is, you know, this is just something I've learned as a parent. I gotta, my kids make dumb decisions that they're happy about. Just gotta, you know, let them, let them love what they love and figure it out in their own way. And, you know, we should afford the same grace to other adults as well. So speaking of children and being a parent, my son is backpacking through Thailand Famously, his first time backpacking through Thailand, he was seven years old, and he was back there when he was 18 with me, and this is his first kind of overseas solo trip, and it kind of came about last minute. He had a hole in his schedule, and I almost had to twist his arm into it. He was very nervous to do it, Um, but once he got there, it was like uh, riding a bike, and he's done really good, but some of this he's paying for himself, some of it he has points for, some of it I'm helping him with. But him going there, first off, it's a realization that the things that we do with our children when it comes to travel do benefit them throughout their life. You know, hearing him, I've been chatting with him every single day that he's been there and hearing him talk about, you know, wanting to go to specific restaurants, specific places that he saw as a kid, see him as an adult and re-experience them, um, going to certain temples and getting immersed in the culture and the, you know, Buddhism and all of that, that was heavily influenced by being there as a child. It's very rewarding. Uh, because, you know, you never know when you do these things with your kids, how it's all going to turn out as far as that. But also I had a realization that miles and points are really uh, so very powerful for budget travelers. You know, we talk so much in this space about elite status and staying here and there and, you know, trying to stay in nicer hotels. And certainly anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I stay in much nicer places than I ever used to when I was backpacking. But I booked some rooms for him in Bangkok and you know, using the Chase Ultimate Rewards travel portal. And they have just about every property. They have hostels on there, everything. So for just like, you know, I booked them somewhere, quote unquote, nice. That was about 30 US dollars a night using Chase Ultimate Rewards at one and a half cents each, which was probably nicer than if he was paying cash or, or something like that. But it's just a couple thousand points. And he has a very nice hotel room, a place that I would probably stay certainly better than where we stayed back in the day. And just imagine how far your points could stretch if you were a budget traveler. So I feel like we focus so much in this space on, you know, premium travel and on these experiences, but miles and points open up such a world for people. I mean, you could travel throughout Southeast Asia for so cheap with miles and points and booking those for him kind of opened my eyes to that. And of course, the cheap budget airlines, all of that stuff. But Joe, I'm really excited. I'm so happy to kind of talk with him every day and that he's getting to experience this first big trip as an adult in a place that he knows as from a kid and getting to experience it in a different way. And I don't know, it's very rewarding. Wait, so he's like solo, completely on his own, just meeting whoever out there? Yeah, so he had like a hole in his schedule. Um, and I said, you should go to Thailand. Or actually, I said, you should go travel. I'll I'll get you a ticket to Thailand. And uh, I did. I got him an American Airlines award because I have so many of those Miles burning a hole in my pocket. I was actually going to book him a business class award, but it required, it gave him a 24-hour layover in Tokyo. And uh, because of the requirements to get into Japan, he's only, he's not, it doesn't have three shots. He's only had two shots for the vaccine and it would have been a big mess to transit because it was flying into Haneda and out of Narita, which would have been okay if you spent an entire day in the city and all that. 
but it got kind of ugly. So he had a fly economy, uh, which is good, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta come up somewhere. You gotta get the you gotta put That's in right. your uh, put your yeah, put, put your put miles pain in. in. Yeah, exactly. Actual miles in. Yeah. So yeah, he's all solo. Uh, he spent a week in Bangkok, and as we record this, he's on a bus down to Phuket, and he's gonna backpack his way all through Malaysia down to Singapore, and then uh, elsewhere in Southeast Asia. It's all up to him. So he's kind of figuring it out as he goes. I was really proud. He booked his bus ticket, got his hostel down in Phuket. So I'm trying to let him do a lot of that himself. I set him up with the hotel in Bangkok, but yeah, it's really exciting for me as just kind of talking to him every day and hearing this. Well, number one, it's nice that your son, adult son talks to you every day. I don't think everyone does that. So I think that's awesome. And I would hope that my kids are like that unless they grow up to be giant turds. And then the other thing that I think is really cool is it really just shows that I've watched the videos of him complaining towards the end of your round the world trip with him when I guess if he left when he was seven, he was eight by the time, you know, that was over. But, you know, it definitely rubbed off on him. And, you know, I think as as parents, it's just when we see our kids do something that we enjoy doing and enjoying it themselves, that that's just a that's, you know, one of the proudest moments. So I think that's awesome for you guys. Um, you know, what does Jasmine think of all that? Does she, is she you know, you're probably like pushing him out more. Is she, uh, you know, sometimes some parents are a little bit more protective, a little bit more worried how she's feeling about her baby being out there. She's happy about it too. Obviously, you know, she has those motherly instincts and, you know, we're, we're either, you know, I've talked to him on the phone, I think every day, but one that he's been there, uh, but also we're texting all the time. First thing I told him was when you get there, get a local SIM card. So you have data wherever you go. There's no need to to be dealing with that. Cause I think he has mint mobile here, which he got like a $10 a month deal really cheap. Um, so that doesn't work there. So he has a, a local SIM and uh, yeah, he's doing, he's doing good. And his mom is super excited about it. You know, we put in a lot of work, Joe, on this kid and showing him the world. And, you know, that's only part of it when you show them at that age, but they have to discover it for themselves. And there's something about that first solo trip. Even after I did so much travel with my family, that first trip where I was by myself and, you know, you're, you're in your own head and you're just experiencing it and you're doing exactly what you want, right? You're not catering to other people. You're doing what you want and everything is a little bit exotic, but for him, it's a little bit uh, familiar as well. The one thing that was crazy is that once in a while when he was younger, you know, we had been out of the country by the time we got to Thailand for over a year out of the U.S. And in Thailand, they have Sizzler, right? And I never eat at Sizzler in the U.S., but, you know, they had a salad bar and we hadn't seen a salad bar in like a year, right? So a couple times in Bangkok when he was a kid, we ate at Sizzler and the food wasn't all that great. And the salad bar didn't really, you know, wasn't all that great, but it was, it kind of reminded us, reminded us of home. And so he's like, I'm going to Sizzler. And I'm like, Sean, why are you going to Sizzler? Like, it's going to cost you like $15 where you can get a local Thai dish for 2 or $3 and it's not going to be good. And he's like, I'm going to go. I have these memories. I have to do this. And so he went and he's like, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. I was like, I told you it wasn't that good. And he's like, because when we were there in salad bar or whatever. Yeah. He's like, when I, when I was 18 and we were there, cause I was there with him during Songkran in, uh, you know, 2019, I guess it was. And he wanted to go to Sizzler then. And I'm like, we're not going to Sizzler. I don't want to go to Sizzler. You know, I, I haven't been out of the country for a year. I, I can get a salad bar at home, all this great Thai food. Uh, but yeah, he did it. So it, it's interesting, these weird things that you have and, that's one of the things I talk about so much about traveling is that it's not just about like, I'll go somewhere someday, but some of the best joy I have in traveling is going back to places at a different point in my life as a different person, reliving some of the things I did, discovering new things, being that new person. And yeah, it's really great to see it with him. And uh, it's just, again, a reminder that this trip is so, so easy because things are so cheap there and miles and points will cover almost all of it for him. Although, like I said, I am making him get some hostels and, and he's you know figuring some of that stuff out himself, getting that stuff booked and, and things like that. So supporting him as far as like making sure he's not going broke, but also giving him that true backpacker lifestyle. So he's uh, I, tonight after he gets to Phuket, he's staying in a, a shared dorm in a hostel down there. He seems excited about it. And uh, then he's gonna continue down, like I said, through Malaysia and uh, into Singapore, some of the places that we went when he was a kid that he wants to see again and, and do that. So keep those kids traveling. And I don't know. I mean, that's amazing. Again, 
that that's just so cool. Uh, I got to, you know, we didn't have this on the agenda, but I do have a question for you. I think that a lot more of our listeners, because, you know, we all, we both started in this, what, eight, nine, 10 years ago. And our kids were, or your kid was still young then, you know, my kids are still young, but getting older, I feel like a lot of our listeners have kids who are on the border of being adult. You know, sometimes we get questions about like, when can kids become authorized users for American Express? I think it's 13, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, and so my question for you is like, when did you make the transition with Sean Reese to like, start having him have his own credit card, start earning his own miles and points. Obviously this trip is a mixture of what you're helping him out with and what he's doing himself. But like, when did you make that transition as a dad and for him as becoming an adult to, if he was interested, getting into the miles and points game himself? So he's getting super interested in it now, but he hasn't been since he was a kid or since he turned 18. So I've actually managed his credit this entire time. And by managed, I just mean... Like, if there's a good offer, I'll pick it up for him. And, uh, you know, the first couple of years, I took some of those points. We used it for family trips, things like that. So some of the points I'm using are his. And some of the other ones I'm going to use are kind of an advance against things that he'll get. But he, ha he, at 18 years old, he had a 780 credit score. He still does. So we do take advantage of some deals for him, but he's not super aggressive in it. But now he's kind of opening his eyes up to being like, yeah, I can do all of this stuff. And I don't have to pay, and, and it's good. So I feel like this is helping him get there. And the great thing is that he does realize it's like you don't have to do anything. Your credit's already great. You can just hop right in and do all of this. And I started talking to him about bank bonuses and things like that, uh, you know, to, to make money and, you know, kind of juice things that way as well. So he is, I feel like, kind of turning the corner on all of that. But as of now, he hadn't really been into it. So I was kind of like pushing him along. And, you know, I'm not super aggressive these last couple of years with my applications and stuff. So he has a handful of credit cards and I try to grab the big bonuses for him when we can. And then I do the spend for him. So that's been where it's at. But to his credit, never had any debt, doesn't operate in that way, doesn't, you know, do any of that stuff. So he's always been very financially responsible and he's managed to keep his credit. You know, he's 22 and a half now and... uh his credit is, you know, as pristine or even better than it was when he was 18. But you make a great point. Add those kids as authorized users on those Amex cards. Get those kids a credit report. When they turn 18, they can, you know, get a, a student card from Discover, a Chase Freedom, something really quick. And then pretty quickly, they're open to just about anything on the market. Awesome. Great advice. Now, I did want to talk about uh, my, really quickly, my MSC Cruise, and specifically because I got this cruise for free through an Atlantic City status match. So I matched Caesar's diamond status at Hard Rock and then Hard Rock status to Ocean, which is another casino there. And that came with a free MSC cruise. And this is pretty doable for most people out there. Um, you can get Caesar's diamond status with the Wyndham business card or with founder's card. So that's the place you can start. Um, you can even, I think, match MGM status in Atlantic City to Caesar's diamond so there's plenty of ways to do that. And one of the cool things about the free MSC cruise that comes with Ocean, you just call up MSC. They have a list. When you match to Ocean, you get Ocean Prime status, and they have a list of that. So you just call them up, and they book the cruise completely for free. And that even includes the port charges, which is great, because some of the other free cruise offers through Carnival and these other ones, you're still paying the port charges. And in this case, it was completely free, although we did have to pay for my daughter to add her on, as would be expected. So that was a good start. Now, I had heard some really mixed things about MSC. And Joe, I know you've really only done Disney Cruise Line, right? You mean sailed myself? Yes. Um, yeah. Only sailed on Disney Cruise Line myself. Um, booked a bunch of other ones, but yeah. And I've never booked to MSC either, so curious to hear how this goes. Um, <laughs> I should say before you talk that the reputation of MSC, shall we say, is not great. Not great. Like below Carnival, perhaps. Yeah, so Joe only books cruises for the plebes, but he goes on the hoity-toity Disney Cruise Line only. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. Uh, but... You don't get to be agent of the year by uh, hanging out with the plebes. <laughs> uh, edit that out, Joe. All right, so I would say that in the U.S. and actually in the cruise industry in general, there are four major brands of cruises. Now, this is like mass market, not you know targeting more affluent people, not luxury 
but just kind of mainline cruise lines, and that would be MSC, Carnival, Norwegian, and Royal Caribbean. Now, there are other brands that they own, uh, you know, things like Carnival Corporation owns cruise lines like P&O and Ida and other ones, Costa in Europe, and, you know, Royal Caribbean owns Celebrity and, and some other brands. But those four brands, MSC, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and Norwegian would be the four major ones, I would say. And MSC has been a huge player for a long time in Europe, but they are accelerating their expansion. Within the next, I think, two years, they'll have five ships in the U.S., and once they bring their ships online over the next couple of years, they will have more ships in their brand than Carnival does. So they will be the biggest single cruise line in the world, uh, MSC will be. And that's sort of insane. But you're right, the, their reputation has been fairly poor, I'd say, when it comes to what they offer. Because they've been very much budget-oriented, trying to offer less space in the ship and you know trying to put as many people on the ship as possible make it as cheap as possible so probably a similar business model to carnival so i would say i went into this with very low expectations i was a little bit i, I would say msc a little bit exceeded what i thought going in so it wasn't a bad cruise at all in fact if i compared it to my carnival mardi gras cruise from last september i would say it was infinitely better although i've been on you know five or six other carnival cruises in the last couple of years that were, I would say, better than the MSC cruise. So I guess the one takeaway I would say about any cruise is that it really matters what time of year you're cruising, what the demographic of the other cruisers are, because that really will make the experience or break it, because you're going to be in close quarters with these people. And in the Mardi Gras case, it, it was just miserable. There was people, you know, putting trash everywhere and cutting in lines, and they were just acting terrible. And that didn't happen here. In fact, I was sort of shocked that it was mostly an older clientele, seemed to be somewhat affluent, like more affluent than I've seen on Carnival. And there are people that really love this brand. And the only kind of takeaway without making this a, like a, a 45 minute review is that MSC did things all right, I'd say fairly average, but there's no single thing that MSC does better than any of the other cruise lines. You know, Royal has better ships, Carnival kills it with the entertainment, Norwegian has the freestyle cruising concept with all the restaurants, and they do entertainment really well, too. MSC, the entertainment kind of was much less than I had seen on any of the other ships. The Maravilla debuted in 2017. It has some things that they copied from all the other cruise lines on the ship. It seems like they're taking like the best of Royal Caribbean, and they're trying to put all these different cruise kind of features on a ship. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, but... I think if the price is right, I would say it's probably okay to cruise MSC. I didn't not enjoy the cruise. Um, the only kind of thing was there was a lack of entertainment. And, you know, the food was very European in taste, which some people might not like. It worked okay for me. There was always something I could find on the menu. And generally, it tasted okay. I didn't have anything that was terrible. But the entire cruise experience is, seems much more European than if you sell Carnival, Norwegian, or Royal Caribbean. And that could be good or bad, I guess, depending on your on your take. But they have a lot of new ships coming online, and almost all their ships that are going to be in the U.S., the five, have been built in the last five to seven years. So they have a newer fleet, and uh, that's good, too, because, you know, you don't want to sail on 25-year-old ships like some of their ships in, in Europe are. You didn't not enjoy it, which is... <laughs> pretty amazing way <laughs> no i i did say. enjoy it i did enjoy it but i mean i i try to be you know i do this for a living so i try to be critical and to say i wouldn't say i enjoyed msc more than carnival i wouldn't say i enjoyed them more than royal caribbean i would say by the way out of those four cruise lines royal caribbean and norwegian are a close one and two for me carnival comes in you know a little i'd say a distance behind those other two at number three although i still enjoy it and i think it really comes down to value what you expect and itinerary for me at this point, because I've been to all the Caribbean ports or most of the major ones. And so I'm really looking for more unique itineraries. I really enjoyed that this went to Belize City, which I've been to Belize City before, but my daughter hadn't, and I'd never been there on a cruise ship. So it was kind of cool to go down there and do that. And also got to do MSC's private island, which was, you know, just beaches and stuff, but it was very nice as well. So I did enjoy all those aspects. The other people on the ship were great. Like I said, it was mostly an older crowd more toned down. Their kids club is all Lego themed. That's who they kind of partner with, 
which was very good. They had lots of Legos to build. And because they're a European brand, the Kids Club, the free Kids Club offering goes until 11 p.m., where most of the other brands are 10, just because people eat a little bit later, I think, in Italy. And then if you want to leave your kids later, it's only $10 for like three hours of late night babysitting all the way to 2 a.m. or $6 an hour if you don't want to do the whole thing. So it's fairly cheap and it's cheaper than the other brands too. So there was a couple nights where we left our daughter in there and, and, uh, you know, had some date nights, which is nice because we're traveling full time and we don't get a lot of breaks from Ellie. So, and she loved it. She loved the Legos every day. The kids club staff was good. I would say, actually, I said they didn't do anything better or as good as, uh, as the other brands, but I would say the kids club offering certainly measures up. It's equally as good or even better in some cases than some of those other brands. And the Lego tie-in I thought was cool because, you know, I'm, I live in a, a Lego warehouse basically. So it, it, it was fun and, and Ellie loves to build those. And it's good to, some of the other cruise lines are kind of forcing kids on screens all the time, video games and stuff. This was nice for her to get hands-on without being in the technology. Good to know. Well, we've already upset certain iTunes reviewers talking about cruises, so we might as well finish things off by talking about Disney today. And Sean, I'll set the table for you since you've been talking for a while, give you a little break. Sean referenced it, uh, alluded to it when I was talking about my Delta Redemption, but we've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast before, but right before the pandemic, Delta Vacations had this amazing deal where you could basically redeem Delta points at two cents per sky mile. And you could use that. And this was the big thing, especially for theme park fans like Sean and myself, you could redeem them for Disney trips and Disney tickets. So Sean, you had had, you had had nice, you had banked like $1,900 worth of value from whatever 190,000 divided by two is in sky miles that you were planning to use for annual passes, but then the world ended that never happened. Finally, you are back in Florida. As we're recording this right now, you are in Florida sitting in the Hyatt Place, Lake Buena Vista, which is a pretty nice property. But as you and I discussed offline, needs more elevators. But uh, other than that, a good redemption if you are in Hyatt and you're visiting Disney or the theme park area. Although if you're going to go to Universal, just stay at the Hyatt Place that's across the highway from Universal. But anyway, you were able to parlay the value that you had. Oh, it must have been more than 1900 now that I'm saying this out loud. But anyway, you were able to parlay the value that you had into new annual passes for you and your family and the money that you had left over Disney gave you as Disney gift cards. So finally, in the end, three years later, you have made good on this Delta Vacations deal and realized the value. And originally, Disney was just going to give you credit to more tickets, um, that 700 leftover that you had, but them giving it to you as a Disney gift card was a, very generous on their part, and B, very useful for you because you can use that for food and stuff as you're in the parks. Now, you're going to be in the parks for the next couple of days before you get on the MTM Diamond Cruise on Friday. I want to hear, you know, I know you've only been, been in the parks one day. Doesn't sound like it was the best day uh, to get back to Disney, but it's been a while since you've been at Walt Disney World on the East Coast. So how's it been going? And did I pretty much nail that Delta Vacation stuff? Yeah, so I played the long game on that. And back, you know, when the deal was going on, we had annual passes and we even did some things where we did a hotel stay at Yacht Club and did some other things. But I purposely to one of my hotel stays, I added, even though we had an annual pass at the time, the most expensive tickets I could find, which were, you know, seven day, 10 day, whatever they were, park hopper. I added every option to them because I knew I wanted to get the highest cash price available. And then at the time, you could just take a ticket, right? You start the first day of the ticket, then you could upgrade it to an annual pass. It's a different world we live in now, but basically COVID happened. Those tickets expired and Disney gave us value. Now we got almost 2000 in value, but I believe we actually spent $2,100 worth of sky miles, you know, on that deal. So Disney kind of shortchanged us a little bit on the value, but we already knew that. But yeah, we finally got that. And they had told us previously that the extra money that we didn't spend on the passes were going to be locked in future tickets at Disney World, and that didn't happen. They actually handed us a $710, I think, gift card that we can now use for anything, right? For food, for Disney hotels, even for the shops at Disney Springs, uh, for Disneyland, for anything that a Disney gift card is accepted at. So that is really great. And uh, we do have an annual pass as as we've established Florida residency uh, part-time because we're here so much. So it's been great, and that was really fun. So we went to Epcot today. 
decided not to do Genie Plus, which turned into a little bit of a mistake. Although, Joe, like so many of the rides were broken down there. And because I know my way around Epcot pretty well, we had a really good day. We got on all the rides we wanted to, even without Genie Plus. Uh, but there were some challenges. But I guess the most important thing to talk about was the new Guardians of the Galaxy coaster there. Um, I had really high expectations for this thing, and I really liked it. Although I was ex- I was hoping that it was going to be like a top-level Disney attraction. You know, I'm a bit of a Disney nerd. I'm a bit, maybe a bit of a Disney snob just because I've been to all the parks in the world many times. And I've been on every major Disney attraction. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's just I love this stuff. Actually, I'm nerdy about it. I get excited you know, to go on these crazy attractions. And I would say this is like just below the top tier, you know, Rise of the Resistance, Pirates in Shanghai, even the Guardian's Tower in California Adventure. I would put those as top tier. I would say this is more like a new version of Space Mountain. And it's a lot of fun. You know, Ellie loved it. We we really enjoyed it. And I do want to ride it again to get more of a, a feel for it because, you know, the first time you do something... Uh, you you know, you don't remember all of it. So I was glad to do that and glad to be back in Florida. And we'll have a couple more days in the parks and it does feel good to be there. But also, you know, Disney World is my least favorite of all the Disney resorts in the world. So there are some tedious things that going on. And I do want to point this out, Joe. Last night I sat in bed and we talked, we did the Disney episode a couple weeks ago with Leslie. And I've kept up pretty loosely on all of the news when it comes to Genie Plus, all of the crazy rules and everything. But I knew I needed to refresh myself. So I went and I went to Trips with Tykes and that's where you've written some of the articles uh, for Leslie over there. And that's your co-host from Disney Deciphered. And you did an entire post on on Genie Plus in Florida and just how all the tips, everything. And I just wanna commend you on that post because I know how hard it can be to write a blog post with so many pieces of information and to put it all together so you can track it through and understand it. And it was really well done. Like I went through the entire thing and my mind was spinning, even though most of the stuff I already kind of knew, some of it was re- was refreshed. I just don't know what Disney's doing. It is so darn complicated to do all of this stuff. And there's so many pitfalls and there's so many places you can make mistakes, you know, and not, if you don't buy Genie Plus, like today, I didn't buy Genie Plus. I would have probably done better with it but we, we still managed to get it good. But I don't know how people who aren't really nerdy about this stuff, I don't know how normal people are really navigating this and having a great experience. And that's all I have to say about that. You know, I, we've said it before, but it's, we said it on the Disney episode. But I do want to, I want to put a plug in for your, for your post because anybody going to Disney World should read it because it's not just that you're my co-host here. It's not just that I've known you for, you know, what, seven, eight years. It's that you, you lay it all out. You made it as understandable as possible, which is pretty good. I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's weird walking around Disney. I don't know. Like, so you said that um, you enjoy visiting the same city at like different points of your life and it has like different meaning for you. And have you ever had that experience in the city where like, you know, let's say um, it's just, I, I don't know. You've been to Hong Kong quite a few times. So let's use Hong Kong as an example. And let's say you're doing something in Hong Kong and there's like, other tourists around you and they're talking about something and you just overhear them and you just want to be like, there are other, there are other ways you can do this. There are simpler ways, or you can try this out. Or like you, you want to be like, go, go try this place to eat. I, that's how I feel at Disney. Sometimes when I hear people with their app open and they're talking about genie plus and they're like, Oh, we could get this ride at this time and this and that, like, I'm just always like, Oh, there's like, there's something better that you can do. So I appreciate you saying that. I mean, the whole reason why Leslie and I started the podcast and I wrote that article for her and even a big part of the reason why I'm a travel agent doing Disney stuff is just to make life easier for people because when you've been somewhere a lot, um, hopefully you can use that knowledge to share with others. And But it is it is just the things that I hear people say in line and you didn't get Genie Plus today, so you were in line for quite a bit. The things that you hear people say in line, like if you know what's going on at Disney World, sometimes it just feels like nail on chalkboard because um, Disney could make it a lot easier. But unfortunately, I think the bottom line is they're making more money off of things being difficult and they probably get a ton of bad feedback about it. But ultimately, they don't care because they're making enough money off of it to offset that bad feedback. So 
that's kind of how it is. I don't want to say it's a necessary evil, but it is an evil that I still uh, enjoy and experience on my own. So I think some of the advice you gave about like tip boards and I, I don't, I, we can put a link in the description of your article for people who are going to go and get into that, but there's just ways to navigate the app and things that only really an insider would know that, that are the really invaluable. There are some cool things that the genie app does. Like it shows you where the expected wait times are throughout the day. Like at one point we wanted to ride Soren today um, not having Genie Plus, you know, the wait times were fluctuating between 40 and 80 minutes. And the app was showing me kind of where it was expected. So I knew later in the day would be better. And so, you know, it did allow us to sort of navigate that. And I was keeping an eye on certain wait times. We were able to get on Ratatouille without too much of a wait. And, you know, we single rider on test track now that my daughter is seven. This is, is this new, this seven-year-old thing? I I don't remember it being on every sign that a kid can't ride by themselves until they're seven, but every ride today, you know, she wanted to ride by herself, even on like the dark rides, like even Spaceship Earth and stuff. And they asked her every single ride, how old are you? And seven is the magic number that you can ride by yourself, which she is seven. She's almost eight. So (laughs) that was new to me too. I didn't, I I probably just never paid attention to it before, but yeah, that that Genie app, I will say is kind of nice, but you really need to figure out where everything is and how to do it. And you know, I don't know. It, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's I, I you know, on, another Disney podcast, the Disney dish, I think we both listened to. I've heard them talk about, you know, the golden age of Disney is over. It ended sort of at the end of COVID. And I agree with that. We had annual passes for both Disneyland and Walt Disney World through 2019 and into early 2020 when they expired. And I'm so glad we did because it was a much better park experience across the board. But it's still, like you say, the necessary evil, but it's just not the same Disney. It's just more expensive, more complicated, but I still love it. And I think a lot of people still love it and I'll still go. And I didn't have a bad time today because I had to figure all that stuff out. I just did my work ahead of time and we navigated the park. We did good. Everyone loves doing homework before they go on vacation, Sean. It's just (laughs) bottom line. You know, everyone loves to do that. So yeah. Um, But anyway, I hope you have a great time. The next time I talk to you, you will have finished your Disney trip and finish the MTM Diamond Cruise. I'm looking forward to hearing about both those experiences. I think they're both going to be pretty awesome. Absolutely. And then we're going to do some international travel. We were originally, and I've talked on the podcast before, planning to do Dubai and some other stuff. I do have to return home for a little bit to Vegas because of just the amount of workload I have right now, to be quite honest. Uh, Trying to keep up with work as I'm traveling is becoming very difficult. Uh, You know, spending all day in theme parks and then having to come record this at night and then having to edit video and then having to schedule posts on the site. It's a lot. And uh, I don't, you know, don't feel sorry for me because I'm living my dream as far as what I'm doing. But, you know, I think we're going to go to Japan after that. I got to get that nailed down. So it's crazy probably to a lot of people out there listening. I don't know where I'll be in three weeks, but we are still going overseas and we're going to do some more traditional style traveling because Elizabeth won't go back to school until August So we have this kind of golden opportunity where she's not in school, where we're still homeschooling her. So we are going to make the most of that. So it's not going to just be cruises and Disney, uh, but it was nice to kind of reconnect with that. And speaking of regular travel, I know we're kind of long here, but I did want to mention that IHG has released a 175,000 point offer on their premier credit card, which I think is pretty good. I think this is the best ever. IHG points aren't worth the most ever. I think about 0.4 cents each. It really depends um, on redemptions, although in most cases it's sort of revenue-based, but I think 175,000 IHG points can go a long way, and this is the best that they've done, and that card comes with some interesting things. It's only a $99 annual fee, and uh, you know, you get you get Platinum Elite status, you get a free night every year. When you redeem three nights, you get a fourth night free, and there's some other perks, $50 in United Travel Bank cash. So if you have like a, an open chase slot, IHG can be a great program, and this is why I wanted to bring it up. For those smaller redemptions, like I remember redeeming IHG points for like Avid Hotels on a road trip last year, Holiday and Expresses, that's where I redeem my IHG points. They're not at the Intercontinentals and stuff like that. Although it's nice that you get that 40K cert every year and you can, I think, even upgrade that with more points. But if you're looking for kind of a chunk of points in a program as like a backup backup program, which is what IHG is for me. I think this could be a good offer and it's certainly worth uh, considering. They also have, I think, a 120000 offer on their Traveler credit card. And then uh, their business card is up to 140000 as well. So these are all 524. They're all Chase cards. So keep that in mind. But 
for those of you know who are kind of locked in one program, you don't have a lot of points in another program. IHG can be a good point to uh, can be a good program to kind of grab some points, and this is a probably a good time to do it with their temporary increased offers. We'll put a link in the description. We have a whole article on the site about it. Worth considering. I like my stash of IHG points. They definitely come in handy. IHG has never been my primary program. Probably never will be. You know, for me, it's Hyatt and then Hilton and then even Marriott right now. IHG kind of third, fourth, but it has come in handy. And that platinum status, eh, not really worth much, but makes you feel special. I mean, it's always good to have points in these ancillary programs, especially if you're like a Hyatt loyalist, just because Hyatt's footprint is so bad. So, you know, and 175,000, nothing to sniff at. Even Sky Miles, you wouldn't sniff at 175,000 of them. I mean, that's uh, that's that's three flights right there. Yeah, and IHG, <laughs> On my like you, at least. <laughs> and IHG, as you said, the footprint is good, especially for those kind of lower end properties, in my opinion. The newer Holiday Inn Expresses are great. The new Holiday Inns are great. So if anything that's a newer property, I think the product is great. I would happily sleep in any of them. Avid is sort of that bare bones kind of uh, kind of more modern thing. I, I stayed at one last year, liked it enough. You know, for a road trip, it was good. Um, so there are some good redemptions there. You know, they go all the way up to Intercontinental and even higher than that Regent and all these other hotels. But for me, the the sweet spot's on the low end. And sometimes you're finding those properties for 10, 15, 20,000 points. And so this could really stretch it out and become a, a really nice value for you, especially that buy, that book three, get the fourth night free. Yeah, I, I thought it was worth covering and kind of just reminding people there. If you're interested in that, we'll put a, note, a link in the show notes. We'll go over all the differences between the cards, the benefits you get. And if you're kind of looking for a chase card, this might be one to, to look at, at least while it's here for a limited time. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can... Find everything that we do, like I said at the top of the show, at mtmpodcast.com. And Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. If you are looking to book a trip, a cruise, Disney trip, Universal, whatever, you can email me, josephchung at travelmation.net with an M. And if you are going to Disney, do check out Leslie's website, tripswithtikes.com as well. How about you, Sean? And the best thing, if you book with Joe, you can brag to all your friends that you booked with the travel agent of the year. And that is some bragging rights right there. Uh, you can find me all over social media at Miles to Memories and MilesToMemories.com for everything we do. We also still have the YouTube Vegas show that I do with Mark still to this day, twice a week. And the MTM Vegas podcast, if you want to listen to it, that's the podcast version of that show. So everything at MilesToMemories.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya. Oh, 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 oh,